Hello, and welcome to Bible 101, lesson number 37. Today we're going to be talking about a general overview of the epistles. But before we begin, let's start with a word of prayer. Precious Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to study the Word of God. We're asking you to please speak to us today, God, to give us understanding and revelation. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray today, O God, we need you. We seek your face, Lord Jesus. We ask you, O Lord, for your direction power of your spirit to be with us. God, anoint the ears of every hearer and help us to have understanding. God, I need your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today I want to just kind of tell you what I'm going to be doing before we start. I am obviously not going to go through each of the epistles and pick out the highlights from each of them because this would be a never-ending series if I was to do that. Uh, I was praying this morning asking how God would have me to do this lesson, and I feel like the Lord gave me kind of a perfect balance. Uh, what I'm basically going to be doing is talking to the person today that has just uh, repented of their sins, been filled with the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, and is beginning their walk with God. That's going to be my primary focus, and I'm going to pick out some things from the epistles that will help them and give them some direction for their walk with God. And so that's what I'm going to do. Now, first of all, let's talk about what it means to be called and chosen. Uh, first of all, I want to point out the fact that it's not just preachers that are called. It's not just those that have an official position that are called. But if you have uh, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, you are called. Romans chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Among whom you, are you also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Called to be saints. It's a calling. And then furthermore, we are chosen. The book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, compare this to Matthew chapter 22, verses uh, verse number 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. So can I tell you today that if you have repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you have not only been called, but you have also been chosen. And because of this, you are not your own anymore. In time past, you've lived like you wanted to live, but now you have been chosen by God. And because of this, he's placed his seal upon you with his spirit, and now you are to live differently. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, or because of this, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, so in repentance, you were crucified with Christ and you died to sin. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So when you repented of your sins, you crucified that old man. You put that body of sin to death. Secondly, in baptism, you were buried with Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, thirdly, the Holy Ghost is that resurrecting power that raised Christ from the dead, and now it dwells in you, Romans 8 and 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. So through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost, you have obeyed the gospel. You died to sin, you were buried with Christ through baptism, and you are risen with him through the power of the Holy Ghost. One day it's going to be that Holy Ghost that uh, quickens your mortal body, makes it alive, and causes you to, uh, to go up in the rapture into heaven. Okay, so now you identify with him. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. One commentator said this is like putting on a new garment. So now you put on Christ. You take on his name. You take on his blood. Now that you take you have taken on his name and now that you wear his blood, you ought to live differently. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You wear his name. You were baptized in Jesus' name. And now that you wear his name, you ought to live differently. Uh, one of the Ten Commandments was, uh, Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You can see the lesson in Bible 101 that we taught about the Ten Commandments. We gave a... Uh, in-depth discussion of that verse. But don't wear his name in vain. Now that you wear his name, you ought to live differently. You ought to depart from iniquity. Also, you should depart from your old friends in sins. Doesn't mean you don't witness to your old friends. By all means, tell them about your change in Christ, but your fellowship ought to be different. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with a Belial? That means uh, what agreement hath Christ with Belial or the devil? Um, and what uh, concourse hath, hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Remember, your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Again, this is Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, now verse 17. Wherefore, or because of this, because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. There's a science that says when one object touches another, there's always a transfer of material. Can I tell you, if you touch the unclean thing, you become unclean. Uh, so don't touch the unclean thing. Come out from among them, people. Don't touch the unclean thing. So it's not just about separating yourselves from certain people. It's also about separating yourself from that which is unclean, that which would cause you to sin. And then it says this, and, uh, and uh, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That's the prerequisite. You've got to come out from among them. You've got to be separate. You've got to not touch the unclean thing, and then he will receive you. Verse 18, 
And it says, And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, Paul is referring to a law in the Old Testament when he says, Be not unequally yoked together. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 10, Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Why? Why is this written in the Bible? The ox and donkey were of two separate natures. To hitch them together would invite all kinds of difficulty. Now here, in context, Paul is actually speaking about marriage. He's talking about the new believer that single should not seek to yoke themselves together with an unbeliever. Can I tell you that if you are a new believer in Christ... Uh, and you are single, you should not seek to marry an unbeliever. It's going to make things very difficult for you because you're going to be of two separate natures. You're going to be wanting to walk toward Christ. They're going to be wanting to walk toward the world. So uh, the Bible commands us here that we, as believers, are not to marry unbelievers. Now, there may be some of you out there that are recent converts and you have already uh, been married and you're married to an unbeliever. Now you're wondering what you ought to do. Well, have no fear. Paul gave instruction for you as well. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 through 16, And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Now this is from a commentary. Maybe we'll help you with that passage that says, The unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. The children would be unclean, but now they're holy. It says this, A Christian spouse who remains faithful to his or her unbelieving spouse has a sanctifying effect on unbelieving family members. Paul is referring not just to the possible future salvation of unbelievers in the household, but to their present protection from pagan values through the influence of the Christian member's exemplary morals. Can I tell you, the only hope for your children, if you have children, uh, is your salvation, is your new lifestyle in Christ Jesus. You could be the only hope for your family's future salvation. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation, that word conversation means lifestyle, by the way, of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So when they see the difference that Jesus has made in your life, they could be one to God. Okay, so let me give you a few other commands now from the epistles. Another command is we ought to go to church. We ought to join ourselves to a church body. Uh, we ought not to be a lone ranger and think we could live for God. You can't do it in and of yourself. You need believers to surround you. You need somebody to encourage you when you're discouraged. You need somebody to build you up. You need somebody to bring balance to you. You need somebody to be honest with you. You need a church body. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day 
approaching. So you need to be a part of a church that believes and practices repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues and preaches and enforces holiness lifestyle. Now let me just say this. God did not just give you a command uh, without also giving you a privilege. Remember in the garden, he told Adam and Eve, Eve, he said, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, uh, lest you die. And so he did not just give them a command of what they could not do. He also gave them privilege. And can I just tell you, while he does say, come out from the world, be separate, uh, separate yourself from those old friends separate yourself from that old lifestyle. But then on the flip side, he says, join yourself with believers. So it's not just about, yes, you're walking away from a family. In fact, I'm reminded of a portion of scripture. I don't have it in front of me. I apologize. But Jesus said, there is no man that hath forsaken houses or lands or family members or husband or wife. He said that shall not receive in this life fold a hundredfold. So uh, uh, in this life, uh, a hundredfold. Because God is going to replace those people you're leaving behind with believers, uh, with a church. That's why you need a church body. You need positive influence in your life. It's not just about separating yourself from negative influence. You need positive influence. And coupled together with this is you need a pastor. It's not just about joining yourself with, uh, with other believers. It's also about having a man of God over your life. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So you can't even hear the truth without a preacher. You need a preacher to preach to you. And then also in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So you can't be perfected without the fivefold ministry, without without preaching in your life. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. That word edifying means building up of the body of Christ. So you can't be perfected without a preacher. You can't be built up without a preacher. Then it says this, till. So how long do you need a preacher in your life, a pastor? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Are you perfect? No, you're not going to be perfect in this life. You need a man of God. It says, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here's the reason why. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Can I tell you, if you don't have a man of God in your life, you're just going to be like the leaf in the wind, being tossed to and fro. With every odd wind that comes about, with every odd doctrine, you're going to be blown right there along with it, uh, blown all over the place because you don't have a man of God. You need a man of God in your life, somebody that's called of God, somebody that preaches the truth, somebody that preaches what we've already mentioned, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, and the necessity of a holiness lifestyle. So, you need a man of God in your life. Now, the scripture also commands us to be holy. The book of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
holy, holy. The word holy means morally blameless. It means sacred. It means separate. It means set apart. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That One translation says this is your spiritual act of worship. And be not conformed to this world. That means don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You may say, why? Because Satan is the God of this world or of this present age. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3-4, through 4, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So don't seek to fit in here in this world because Satan is the one that's driving the fashions, the attitudes, the passions of this world. And so you shouldn't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't worry about the fact you're not going to fit in here. You ought not to fit in. You ought to avoid the things of this world. You may say, well, how can I do that? Well, take good courage. Paul addresses this in the book of Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit." For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now if we stopped here, this would be very discouraging. But don't stop here. Verse 9 of Romans 8. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit... So, can I tell you, it's impossible without the Holy Ghost to live for God. It is absolutely impossible to, uh, uh, to be holy without the Spirit of God. It's called the Holy Ghost. It makes you holy. It says, notice this, but if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwelleth in you. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify, that word mortify means to put to death, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So can I just tell you, you've got to be led of the Spirit. You may say, well, how can I keep the world from squeezing me into its mold? Be led of the Spirit. Now, we are commanded to be holy. It's not optional. We are commanded 
to be holy. We are commanded to be separate. You ought not to live like every Joe and Susie on the street. You ought to be different now because you've been called. You've been chosen. You've been brought out from the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says this, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. It's a commandment. In all manner of conversation. Again, conversation means lifestyle. So in every manner of your life, you ought to be holy. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now you've come into fellowship with God. Before you were a servant of sin, before you were a servant of the world. Now you are a servant of Jesus Christ. You are to be more like him. Be ye holy, because he is holy. He's filled you with his Holy Ghost. Don't defile that temple that's that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Be ye holy. Now, again, holy means morally pure or blameless. Now, this is not possible without the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you some of the purposes of the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. John 16, 13, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. can also tell you if you are led by the Spirit, you will not fall into sin. Galatians 5, 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a promise. Ye shall not. Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you walk in the Spirit. So the next question you're going to ask probably is, well, how do I walk in the Spirit? Let me give you keys to walking in the Spirit. Number one, pray. Matthew 26, 41 says this, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So to walk in the Spirit, first of all, means you pray. You build up that spiritual man through prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That I walk around all day saying, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, help me today, God. I praise you. I worship you. No, but what it does mean is you always stay in that spirit of prayer. You should have a quiet time every day where you spend time with God. And by quiet time, I don't mean you just sit in silence. I mean pray to God, talk to God, pour out your soul to God. Let God strengthen you. Let God encourage you. Can I tell you... Uh, you know, a marriage relationship will not last if that couple does not talk and build their relationship through conversation. You ought to build your relationship with God through conversation. You will not make it if you don't pray. You've got to pray every day. Set some time aside. Now, at first, let me tell you this. It will be a challenge. At first, it could be difficult because you're not used to it. It's a di it, At first, it uh, it is a discipline. But if you continue to discipline yourself and you continue to pray, uh, it will become a privilege. It will become a joy. A discipline can become a habit, and a habit can become a joy if you just continue on doing it. It's, it's, it's a lot of times, and I hate to use it like this, but a lot of times it's kind of like other disciplines in life. You know, it's not fun to work out, but the more you do it, uh, it, it starts to become a habit, and then you start to look forward to it. Uh, well, can I just tell you, prayer is much greater than working out, obviously. And prayer works out the spiritual man. It strengthens the spiritual man. It makes you stronger for the battle that's ahead. Jude chapter 1, verse 20, notice this. It says this, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves. That's why I use the illustration of working out. Building up yourselves. This is how you work out in the Spirit. On your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you this can include tongues, praying in tongues, continue to get a, 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 a new, fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. Now, I didn't have this scripture written down, but in the book of Titus, chapter 3 and verse number 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, save us, by the washing 
uh, of regeneration and with the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It ought not to be just a one-time experience. Let God speak through you in tongues. And then uh, this is another one we ought to remember is that fasting is something else that builds up the spiritual man, that makes it possible to overcome the flesh. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus speaking about casting out devils. He says this, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Can I tell you, there's some spirits that cannot be broken except through prayer and fasting. It takes both. And so you ought to uh, have a regular habit of fasting. You may say, well, how often? You know, a good idea is once a week to, to learn to fast. You might say, well, what do you mean by fast? Well, no food, uh, you know, water only. Uh, this, this is a great way to fast. Some people say, well, I may not be able to fast because of physical conditions. In that case, I would say, get, uh, you know, submit yourself to a man of God, get with the man of God, and he can help you because you don't need to try to escape the discipline of fasting. It will strengthen your spiritual man, and there's some battles you cannot win without fasting. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Can I tell you there's a war that's going on in your members? In the book of Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that I, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consider to the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Maybe you feel this way. The things you really don't want to do, you just keep doing it over and over and over again. The things you really want to do, you can't seem to do it. This is what Paul's saying. Now if Paul struggled like this, can I tell you you're in good company. And then it says this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Can I tell you that God knows you're going through a battle, but you have the power to overcome in this fight. Now, uh, there's a story, probably everybody listening to this has heard the story about the man that came to the priest and he said, I've got a problem. Uh, he said, there's, uh, there is a uh, dark beast and he said, there is a light beast. Uh, within my heart and uh, the priest said well which one will win the battle and he said the one I feed the most can I tell you the one that's going to win this battle is going to be the one you feed the most whether it be the flesh or the spirit so the way you feed the spirit is through prayer it's through fasting it's through going to church it's through submitting to the man of God it's through reading the word of God and studying the Bible uh, the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 says study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. In the book of uh, Psalms, in chapter 119, it tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need to read the scriptures and study the scriptures. That's how you're going to get direction is through the word of God and through the spirit of God and through the man of God. That's a threefold cord that's not quickly broken. Okay, so... 
let me just tell you a few things here in closing the, that uh, the one you feed will win this battle. Now, you're going to face a battle in this flesh. In this world, you're going to face a battle. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to have it to where family members come against you. Uh, the friends you used to have are going to come against you. This isn't going to be the perfect new life of peace uh, because in this world, Jesus said, you shall have persecution. It's a promise. You're going to have persecution. But uh, God has given us the earnest of our inheritance. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So, the Holy Ghost is the down payment of heaven. If you are weak and you, you get tired of this battle of the flesh against the Spirit, just get another taste of the down payment. As Jude said in 120, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You just got to remember that in this world you are a stranger and a pilgrim. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly, from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Can I tell you, because you're a stranger, you will face persecution in this life. 1 Peter chapter two, uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If Jesus suffered, you're going to suffer. He was a stranger and a pilgrim. Now, because of the Holy Ghost inside of you, you're a stranger. You're a pilgrim. But don't lose sight of heaven. You've got to lay aside everything that's going to beset you, that's going to war against you. Chapter, uh, The book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I tell you, Christ has made you an overcomer by his Spirit. Uh, let me, actually I didn't have these scriptures written down, but let me read them here in closing. Let's go to the book of Revelation chapter number 12 the book of revelation chapter number 12 and let's go to verse number uh 11 and they overcame him talking about satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto the death this is how you overcome satan before you couldn't overcome him. You had no power over the devil before. But now you're made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and with the word of your testimony. Can I tell you, your testimony is powerful. Share your testimony with your friends. Share your testimony with your family members. Don't be afraid to speak up for Christ. You overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and through the word of your testimony. If you keep it inside and if you don't share it with anybody and if you're afraid to ever get out there and tell your testimony, can I just tell you the devil's going to overcome you. But you're made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and with the word of your testimony. Just fight the fight of faith and endure. Matthew 24, 13 says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
Now let me go to another scripture I didn't have written down here today, but let's go to the book of 2 Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy. And hopefully this is a blessing to somebody. I was praying about how to to end this series, and I believe that the Lord gave this to me. Uh, let's go to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number... Uh, let's go to chapter number 4. 2 Timothy, chapter 4. And let's read verse number 6. Now, Paul writes this at the end of his life. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at, fan, is at hand. Excuse me. I have fought a good fight. Can I tell you it's going to be a fight until the end? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I like what Jesus said to Peter. He said, uh, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fell not. Now, Peter failed, but his faith didn't fail. You may fall from time to time. You're still in the flesh. There's going to be times you make mistakes. There's going to be times you slip up. But keep the faith. If you sin, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may slip. You may fall. Just get back up again. The Bible says the righteous man falleth, or the just man falleth seven times, and yea, getteth up again. Just keep getting back up. If you fall, get back up. Pray through. Confess your sins. Ask God to give you power over that sin the next time. And it says this, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, or because of this, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. God's given you power to overcome. You have a promise of heaven. Just keep fighting this battle. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Uh, keep seeking to live holy. Ask God to give you power over sin, power over iniquity. The Bible says he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with will with every temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. But you've got to be watching for that way of escape. The Bible says watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Be always on the lookout for that way of escape. If you find yourself in a place that's that's tempting, uh, get out of there. Some places the Bible says flee fornication. There's some things you need to run away from. And can I tell you that uh, Joseph in the Old Testament was a godly man because he ran away from Potiphar's wife. It wasn't time to stand around and try to reason with her. Uh, it was time to get out of there. And there may be some times where you find yourself among friends and they say, come on, buddy, you know, let's, let's do drugs together just like we used to do. Come on, buddy, let's do this or that, fill in the blank. Uh, and it may not be time for you to stand there and reason with them. Sometimes you just need to get out of there. So uh, hopefully this lesson has helped you. Uh, I just want to encourage somebody here today that you have begun a new, fresh journey. It's a beautiful journey. It will be filled with a fight. It will be filled with battles. But can I tell you, this is much better because in the world, you face battles, you face discouragement, you face all kinds of stuff without remedy. Now you have a remedy, and the remedy is the Holy Ghost. Just keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep fasting. Join a church body. Submit to a man of God that preaches the truth. Obey everything the man of God tells you to do. Uh, and just keep walking on this Christian journey, and God will help you to make it all the way to heaven. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible 101 series. We're going to do one more final lesson on the book of Revelation. Those of you that, that love prophecy, don't get too excited. I'm going to do just kind of a brief overview of the book of Revelation uh, and uh, hopefully just kind of talk a little bit about, uh, about hell, talk about heaven, talk about some of the things written in the letters to the seven churches, and talk about just a few prophecies that we'll single out. 
Uh, Amen. Let's pray in dismissal. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that we've had to study the Word of God. God, I'm asking that you would continue to speak to us. And Lord, help the new believer today, Jesus, that new convert, that precious babe in Christ Jesus. God, give them the strength to overcome the world. God, give them the the tenacity. Uh, Give them the boldness to keep walking with God. Help them to surround themselves with a good church, Lord Jesus, to, to submit to a good man of God and to walk in the Spirit so that they can make it all the way to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.